0: faithful listener and welcome to another episode of soccer not football we have reached the end of the month and time does fly by because only like a week or so ago we were talking about the possible uh and the football as as we know it but um all y'all really band together and we uh, got the Super League out of there. The Super League is done and dusted. Um, It all started with Chelsea um, pulling out, and then the dominoes just kept falling. Um, uh, Florentino Perez is in the mud, and we can uh, – the threat is is still there, but um, we can safely – return to our regularly scheduled programming, right, Daniel?
1: Yeah, pretty much right after we recorded that episode, like before it was even posted, uh, teams already started pulling out. So it, it kind of became – our episode kind of became obsolete. But I think our takes were still uh, in a good vein. Um, you really saw the entire, like, soccer world, the entire footballing world come together against that um, – against this. I was pretty – pretty special you don't really see that that often people are usually divided and this was one unifying thing everyone was mad at UEFA actually UEFA weren't the bad guys in this one but everyone nice. was everyone was mad at the the big teams for for trying to create their own basically Americanized league um, a lot of Americans were, were getting some bad raps as they should because they were they were really trying to
0: push it like you got Alexi Lawless like saying like yeah this is a great thing you know and it's really like disappointing because you know, these are like uh, these are the people we are trusting, you know, as like media personalities to push, you know, the 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 sport in the in, in the in the country. So like it's 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 um kind of hard to see. It's kind of disheartening to see, you know.
1: Yeah, Lawless is just he's just one of those the old figureheads from US soccer. He was he was one of the good players from the nineties, he was, he was a decent soccer player. He played in Syria for a couple of years. So you got to give him his credit, but you don't really have to take his, his soccer opinions as gospel. Like he's usually just saying stuff to be inflammatory, kind of like uh, those first take guys. They're just kind of trying to get their takes in and, and, and get the spotlight on, on them and, and make people mad at them. That's what, that's what Lawless loves is to, to, for people to be mad at him. I follow him on Twitter just cause he's, He's kind of funny sometimes, and he'll just be like, "What is everyone yelling about today?" <laughs> and people are just like, "You, we hate you." And he's like, "Great." It's <laughs> just like he doesn't care that he's the villain, and he plays that role very well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are still plans um, for, for us to try to uh, resurrect, saying like, "Oh, the teams are you know still in a binding contract, but this is pretty much dead in the water." unless, you know, they um, are looking for another way to get money, and that might be in their leverage tool. Um, we do have the new UEFA format, um, which um, is a lot more games um, and will be enacted in uh, in a couple years. Um, I think one of the Manchester City players, um, Gwandan, um, just, like, really just went on and it's like, no one's thinking about the players. It's just a lot of extra games that they had to play. And I think it's about a hundred extra games. That's, um, going to be for like, for that competition, um, going forward. And it's kind of like the NFL, um, adding a 17 game season. It's like, is it really necessary? The only reason why they would do it is to, you know, add more money. And, it's not it's it's more of an emphasis over money than player safety you know
1: absolutely yeah uh, player safety almost always gets put on the back burner when it comes to to making financial decisions that's that's the king uh, whatever makes you the most money will will be what decision is made by the the people influencing that um I kind of like the new format not in the sense that it brings more games in, but I think it'll be more competitive and you'll get less of those, like big teams from Europe playing against the minnows and walloping them like six, nothing you'll get more of those. You'll get, you'll get the top, top games. Still, you'll get the, the knockout level games in the, in the group stage, but you'll get more of the like second and third place teams from like Italy and Germany and Spain and England playing each other. And I think that's, that's better. I think that'll give us more good matchups. Unless bad matchups, um, it, we still have to wait and see how it all plays out. But I'm not a hundred percent against it. There are a couple things that I didn't like. They have that rule where the there's like two teams who qualify based on the highest coefficient mm-hmm. uh, of teams who didn't qualify, and I think that's kind of that's kind of like their anti relegation uh, rule that they put in there. That's definitely probably. Americanized based rule. Um, I, I wasn't really in favor of that one. If you're not good enough to qualify, then you're not good enough to qualify. Like if Barcelona were to finish 15th in La Liga, they shouldn't just be able to qualify because 10 years ago they were, they were really good. Yeah. Um, I think that rule is kind of dumb, but just like anything with UEFA, mostly bad, some good. So we'll see.
0: And FIFA, like UEFA and FIFA in general, you know, got to take the bad with the good and, just roll the punches. No um, league is perfect. That's what we learned. And, you know, just try to focus more on the good than the bad. And moving on to the good, we had European football uh, playing. Uh, Champions League football, the semifinals, the first leg were, was this week. And we got a lot of interesting results. Learning um, a lot of... Uh, uh, interesting developments from these two games: um, Chelsea and Real Madrid, um, and in in a one one draw um, at the um, Real's practice stadium. And then we had a uh, PSG and uh, Man City. PSG led, um, and then Man City uh, came back to uh, to really get a comfortable advantage going into the Etihad um, next week um which game would you which game was the highlight for you daniel
1: i think this is a pretty easy answer for me um in that first game we had our boy christian pulisic score a a big goal put chelsea on top Mm -hmm. and that was that was a great moment i definitely was watching that game at work and allowed a big scream and maybe ran around where i work out a little bit and let go some of my excitement but just watching him out there perform like that, um, even aside from the goal, he was still pretty good. He had a couple other good moments in the game. He he seems to to come out and play well against Real Madrid. It's happened back when he was at Dortmund. He had a good game against them, and and now he, he performed again. So I'm definitely glad to see him back in the Chelsea team and, and performing well.
0: Yeah. Uh, when I saw that goal, like, I was watching it too, like, The way that he had a lot of space, he timed his run perfectly. Um, First touch was um, uh, perfected his first touch. And then the way he just rounded off the keeper, like wasn't sure what he he was going to do, but his execution was just, it was just perfect. And yeah, like I went crazy to like screaming, running around my office as well. And, you know, it's just like, Shows us like, you know, this is something like we just win this history, you know, because this is like the first uh, ever um, American player to score this late in the champ in the Champions League competition ever. And being the youngest to do it, uh, um, Chelsea being, being Chelsea's youngest like goal scorer at that stage as well. It's just um, like we have an actual American player. Um, creating, making these, uh, you know, uh, smashing these barriers. And who else, who, who else than the one who really just started that blueprint for for everyone, you know? Um, you know, Christian Pulisic continues to um, set the tone of how far American soccer can go. And, you know, um, not to just mention, like, you know, his overall game, um, he has had a great resurgence um, with uh, Tuchel, and just, like, coming back in his own, like, coming back from the international break, he's just been um, been really finding his form and really heating up. And it shows, like, how many teams are um, realizing that. You know, he was fouled a whopping 11 times against Portal. Um, he got fouled six times against uh, Real. So a lot of teams are game-playing against him in a way that, you know, teams were game plan against, you know, um, Hazard or um, – or or messy or on um, he's like one of the key, turn into one of the key players on, on the team which is more than i can ask for i think he's definitely proving
1: right now that form is a little overrated because if we were having this conversation a month and a half ago a month ago everyone was like up in arms like oh he's not playing at all like he needs to move to everton now smaller team so he can play every week and it's like no like he he's at uh, the perfect spot right now. He's maybe not like a top five premier league winger, but he's top 10, top 15, which is still pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's now starting to produce a little bit. He's getting some cohesion with, with those guys up front. He set up Werner for an absolute sitter and he shot it at right at Courtois. Um, that, that had me mo- more heated than, than when, Pulisic scored. I was so mad. I was like, oh my God, like he literally gave you a tap in from five yards out and you You can't put it in the corner. You think
0: that was a good save from Courtois or just a wasted opportunity for Morning? Both. Both.
1: I mean, in that moment you got to put it a little more in the corner but the goalie did what the goalie could. Like he got big and he was like, if he kicks it at me I'm going to save it and he kicked it at him and he saved it. So I, I definitely think Werner's lacking confidence and that's why he didn't finish it but the goalie still got to be prepared to, to make that safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just been a rough kind of, it's just been that kind of season for Timo Warner. Um, just missing this goals like sitters out of nowhere. I remember like just watching this video uh, from um, this um, AI type of a uh, site, like, like a type of silver score, you know, it's called uh Squaka. And literally it's like, Our AI cannot compute, is unable to compute why he is missing so many, so many free chances. And um, it's definitely concerning because, you know, um, in the West Ham game, he was able to score, but then, like, right after, there was a clear chance that he just skied it. And it's just, like, so frustrating. Like, how do you have your best and worst game at the same time? And you know, Chelsea's going to need that clinicalness, you know, to get past Real because in that first, like, 15 minutes, they easily could have been 2-0 up or 3-0 up and put this tied in bed. But now, you know, they had to change up their game plan because, you know, they're holding on to a real silver lead, you know. Um, And who knows if Real can score again, you know, they're going to bring back they got, still got Benzema. They're gonna be got bring back Ramos, um, Mendy, and they still have um Hazard, you know. As um he may have he might have been with Real. You know, there's still that chance he can show up, you know.
1: Yeah, we should mention that Benzema scored an absolute golazo in this yeah. game. It was a it was a nice goal, and he's proven why he's one of the best strikers of the last decade. He's just super clinical, you give him half a chance and and he's able to to bang it in the back of the net. We should also give N'Golo Kante a shout out. That man is, he's still very good. I know the last couple of Chelsea managers haven't been as impressed with him, haven't maybe put him in the best spot to succeed, but he's still a, the energizer bunny who'll run all over the field, break up plays, and he's not a bad passer. People like to give him slack for that. They say he can't, he's not an attacking player. I mean, and he's not, Xavi or De Bruyne out there, but he can definitely uh, put on a counterattack and, and help Chelsea score goals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was the uh, 2016 player of the year. So, you no, know, he can, and, and a World Cup winner at that too. So he, like, he's still a quality player. And I'm glad you gave him a shout out. Um, sh- yeah, Real, um, once they got out of that um, period, you know, they kind of settled in and uh, struck strike back. Um, you know, Benzema with a great goal and um, a lot of just fouling, you know, trying to disrupt Chelsea. And then the second half was more just like a – and then a little bit more of a truce between the two, you know, wasn't too much of that that uh, action that was going on in the first, first half. And um, – it's all to play for next week. Um, Chelsea returned to the bridge. They got their way goal advantage, Um, but it's obvious. I'm confident to to say that uh, Real is probably going to score. So Chelsea needs to score. And can they do that? Um, We've been having trouble. We've been having trouble doing that. Um, Then just like getting us to scrape by and will it be enough?
1: We shall see. We shall see, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the other game played that was yesterday was PSG 1, Manchester City 2. Uh, PSG struck first. Marquinhos scored a goal in the, the 15th minute. Then in the second half, Kevin De Bruyne put in a cross that found its way past Kay- Kaylor Navas for a goal. And then Riyad Mahrez scored a goal through the wall. Um, that was not great defensive setup there by PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, they really... I almost say gifted Manchester City two goals, but they definitely gave up two soft goals there to, to turn the tie on its head, and now they find themselves in a place where they need to go to the Etihad and score two goals.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, um, not much I can say. I saw that live, you know, just really just shocked about the, the quality of goals that uh, PSG um, let in, especially with a um, uh, goalkeeper of uh, Knox's quality. And, um, you know, people say that Man City is a, you know, it's a weak team. Like, Man City has, you know, it's going to have star power. And you always got to prepare for that. You got De Bruyne, You got um, Maris. You got Foden. You got Sterling. Um, you got Cancelo. You got Diaz, who had, who was an absolute rock, um, you know, just stopping Mbappe in his tracks, you know, living in Neymar as well. And um and Pep knows how to show up in in um in a stage like this against uh Pulchettino who you know I don't know if you saw this the Spurs game on Sunday and thought like, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: I think Manchester City were kinda like a boa constrictor here in, in that second half they just got tighter and tighter to PSG, give them less space, less time. They started pressing up the field higher and were able to, to transition more. And I think it was just kind of, kind of death by, I don't even know what the words are, but just they were doing it so much PSG eventually broke and they were able to to break through him twice. Yeah. And, and now they sit on, on top of the tie. I thought, uh, I thought De Bruyne was still pretty good in this game. He was, he was playing as kind of the the false nine. They played without a striker um, and he didn't do too much in that first half, but in that second half, he, he really was, was the anchor for Man City. And, and hopefully he can uh, get his first chance at a, a UCL final. I know he's been close a couple of times and he's been one of the the better players over these last five, six years. And he hasn't had a chance to to shine on a, on a big stage like that. So, I, it'll be interesting to see if he can come up big
0: again and and lead them to a final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, I thought really that Man City could have scored, you know, um, more goals because PSG were were holding off for dear life after um, that uh, um, that red card um, to one of their players, um, Isidre uh, Um It was a straight red um, at Mar and. At Guanden, and it just showed like it was only a ten minute period where they're up leading, they're leading by one goal, and then then being down a goal and losing a player. Only only ten minutes. Just shows like how much like uh things can turn on on your head.
1: Quick prediction: Who's going to make the final?
0: I am still sticking to my original prediction. It's going to be Chelsea. Uh. Paris final.
1: Interesting. Okay. Okay. I I'm kind of more on board with the Chelsea pick at this point. I, I think it's going to be very tough for, for Paris to turn it over, but so far this champions league, they've played much better on the road than they have at home. They beat Barca four to one, they beat Bayern three to two. So maybe they go to the Etihad and, and win two nil and then I'll see them through the final. Maybe they can redeem themselves for, for last year's failure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they could run it back, but that's not gonna happen because you know we're gonna win the FA Cup and we're gonna win the Champions League. So 2020. Okay, uh, you get, uh, get, get 2012
1: repeat. Get rid of Lampard and just think now we're on top of the world. Okay, I think I see how it is. So literally, there's
0: like a whole thread of all these similarities that have been happening from 2012 to like now. And it's I'll show you, but uh it's in it's in the stars. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I don't
1: doubt it. I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. Chelsea definitely
0: have a, an angel looking out for them right now. Hmm. All right. And then we also have uh, Europa League Action semifinals. Um, you had uh Villarreal and Arsenal, and you know, Arsenal gonna Arsenal um losing 2-1 um to their old boss, uh Denny Emery. And um, yeah, I think uh, you know, you can – Arsenal's still going to Arsenal. That's all I got to say about that. I, I looked at
1: the team sheet, and I was very surprised to not see a striker start the game for Arsenal. Neither Lacazette nor Aubameyang was in the starting lineup. I think they started Smith-Rowe up top. Um, I'm not really sure why – what his reasoning is for, for mixing it up like that. I don't think in a, in a semifinal game, especially away from home, you, you do that. Um, especially when you got a guy like Obama Yang, who hasn't been in the best of form, but he's definitely better on the counterattack, better on the break. Um, I don't know why you would take him out for, for another attacking midfielder. I think Arteta definitely overthought himself here, and it definitely cost Arsenal. They were down 2-0, so they were good on them to get that away goal um, in their back pocket, mm-hmm. uh, especially before Ceballos got sent off. That pretty much... Killed the game off, so they for where they were sitting at two to one is is not the worst re-
0: result for them. Mm-hmm. Can always return it back, but do you think they'll they can they can come back from the Arsenal that we've seen this season?
1: Honestly, I think they can, and I think they can because they're playing without fans. I think if the fans were there, it would have an opposite effect on them. I feel like Arsenal fans kind of give the bad juju to the team. Like when, when something starts to go wrong, they, they get the nervous energy and it's the, Oh my God, we're going to blow it again type type feeling. So I think not having that home crowd, not having that, that nervous energy when someone makes a bad pass or, you know, David Luiz makes a stupid defensive play, something like that,
0: not having that would actually work to their advantage. Know what you're saying, right? Arsenal fan TV, like y'all are, y'all, like y'all the villains here, okay? Not your team.
1: I mean, your your team is kind of, kind of, it's more trash than you think it is, but Arsenal fan
0: TV is a little over the top, yes. They're definitely a little, uh, a little crazy. Mm All right. And then we have Man United and um, Roma and. Um, it looked like Ole was going to bottle another semi, um, again, and like, uh, see if he, and try not to get over the hump, but, um, menu exploded, um, with, uh, Fernandez and Cavani and Boba and Greenwood, um, just all, uh, pointing in goals. And, um, yeah, it was a 6-2 win for, um, with, uh, for United. Very comfortable. Um, I'll see them blowing the 4-0 lead.
1: Yeah, to to lose 4-0 on the road, that would be pretty embarrassing. Um, that might even lose – w- I don't think it'll make Shulskjaer lose his job, but uh, that would be pretty catastrophic. Um, I turned this game on when it was 2-1 to Roma, and I, I had that same thought that that you just said there, that Solskjaer's blowing it again. He can't get it done in the semifinal. And then in the span of, like, 12 minutes – United scored three goals. We're up four-two, and they they went on to score two more. And I think it just it's more so to do with Roma's lack of quality than than United's greatness. Is what I'll call it. Um, United definitely are a good side. They definitely messed up themselves by losing to that Turkish team in the Champions League. Can't think of their name right now, but this is definitely a Champions League quality side maybe not Champions League semifinal quality but i think they they definitely would have had a shot to win a, a round of 16 game so they're definitely punching below their weight i don't know if that's the right saying but they're they're definitely not a europa league team so they sh- they should be beating roma roma struggles against the good teams they i don't think they've gotten more than a point against a team in the top 6 in serie a this year so mm. to see them get crushed by man united not too surprising
0: yeah um my prediction um i think it still um holds um still going to be all english final in the europa league um counted and if i'm wrong then it was all daniel's fault
1: yeah that's i'm cool with that we could get a double all english final which i really don't want Mm -hmm. i don't want all four teams to be from england because then their, their fans will just be more annoying than they already are. But, you know, I, I think two out of the four is almost guaranteed, and we'll see what happens in the, the other two games.
0: Yep. All right. So um, not too many updates. Um, in uh, France, Leo's still on top, um, still barely um, holding off uh, PSG and uh, Monaco. Um, Premier League action, um, Chelsea – are in the top four, being West Ham. Um, Man City is still um, leading. Um, Liverpool got some got took a hit to their top four hopes. Um, um, news out of Bayern, um, their manager is going to be leaving, and um, they are going to be replacing with uh, the coach of RB Leipzig, Julian uh, Nagelsmann. Um, so it's funny how Byron was like, oh, we're not going to join the Super League. We're going to keep the integrity of the game and then just proceeds to steal any good coach and player from the rivals. Uh, but I digress. So RP Leipzig needs to coach and they have turned to Jesse March, um, head coach of RB Salzburg in uh, Austria where Brendan Arison plays. He will be the first American coach to coach a, uh, a team who will be playing in the Champions League.
1: Yeah, I think this is a, a good challenge for Jesse Marsh. Um, he's had two years in, at Salzburg now, coached a few years in the MLS, and was pretty good with the New York Red Bulls, moved on to Salzburg, and hasn't been able to to get out of the group in the Champions League with Salzburg, but they've won their domestic title both years. And last year, they won a game in the Europa League. This year, they were bounced out in the round of 32 to, to Villarreal, so... I think it's a good step up for him. I think Leipzig is a is a good club because they're not top four guaranteed in the Bundesliga, but they're definitely top five or six guaranteed. So he can implement his his principles, his tactics, um, and I think it'll be a, a pretty seamless transition from Nagelsmann to Marsh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then um, in Italy, Inter is still leading. Milan is falling out of the championship spots, and so are Juventus as well. Um, a lot of uh, – so the hype from those two teams are fading fast, and um, who knows if they'll get that magic back again uh, next year.
1: Yeah, I feel kind of bad for Milan because for 12 calendar months, they were literally the best team in Europe. They didn't lose a single game. But unfortunately for them, that was over the span of two seasons, so that's not quite the way the soccer calendar works. So they haven't had good form lately. Zlatan's been playing bad ever since he uh, he cursed out Lukaku and and called out LeBron James. So he's been on a downturn in in his form. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can find their way uh, find their way back in the top four. Because Napoli are right there. Atalanta, I don't think are going anywhere. And you got Juve who. Who everyone seems to think is is going to make their way back. Um, Italy's looking pretty fun right now. Even Lazio, they just beat Milan last week and they got a game in hand. If they can win some of their last few games, who knows? That we know who's going to win the league. Inter are like thirteen points up now. They're not going to blow that. But the race for top four it's it's just teething up right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And we have another fun race going on. Uh, Something we thought that was gonna, gonna be pretty straightforward. Um, we got La Liga um going into the weekend. We had Let's Go leading, um, and then Real right behind them, Arso behind them as well, within uh two points. And we started off with a serial tie against that uh, uh Chibate, um against Real. So one game down. And then we had a um loss. From Atletico Madrid, um, a two-one loss by the team called. Let's see. I think they lost uh, to Athletic Club. Yeah, Athletic Club, and it gave Barcelona the opportunity yesterday to go, you know, to to top the league ahead of their um, ahead of their matchup with Barcelona coming in um, coming May eighth. And things were going perfectly to plan for the first 45 minutes, and then all of a sudden, um, Osuna started coming back, and then they were able to steal um, a win, a two. So Barcelona lost two one um, to uh, Granada, and we are right back where we started. Um, Real Let's go is still on top. Um, real and Barcelona two points behind, but we also have another contender. We got Sevilla, who are our only three points behind Um Atletico. So this race has just gotten a lot more interesting. And Sevilla is the one with the with the great form right now, winning five in a row at this point. Um So yes, it's a real top four. You know, any one these teams could still end up with the title, and it's going to be exciting to see um, who ends up with it. Yeah, you described La Liga as a mess, and that's exactly what it is
1: right now. Uh, no team at the top seems to want to take control. No team wants yeah. to, to win. They, no team wants the title. They're just saying, no, you, you can take it. You can take it. <laughs> Atletico um, threw their game away against Athletic Club. They should have got at least a point from that game but gave up a late set piece. Real Madrid just decide to look like a below average team against below average La Liga teams. It's it's so amazing how they can turn it on for most of those big Champions League games and then look so incredibly like average in La Liga. I um, mean, then Barcelona blowing that game today up one nil thanks to Lionel Messi, and you just concede two two late goals, two late-ish goals at home. Um, that's not a good sign for Ronald Koeman. Um, this was definitely a time a lot of p- pundits thought that Barcelona were going to win and and take lead in La Liga and then take the title because they play Atletico. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's this weekend, but I think it's next weekend or or sometime soon those two teams will, will face off. And right now that's pretty much who – that game isn't going to decide the title, but it's going to basically put Atletico in a great spot or Barcelona in the driver's seat. And don't count on Sevilla yet. Sevilla haven't been there for much of the season. They've kind of been a little further back, especially when Atletico were, were flying high, but they find themselves three points back. And the way these top three teams are playing right now, I would not count them out. They They don't have anything to lose. They basically have fourth place secured. I think they, after this next game, they will have fourth place secured. So why not go for it, Sevilla? You never, you know, this might be your, your one chance to win La Liga. Go for it.
0: You do play Real the same weekend as Atlético and Um and Barça. So if they tie and they beat Sevilla. Then they're right. They're right in it. They're right in it. And you know, never thought i will be saying La Liga winner Sevilla, but I'm all for it now.
1: Always got to root for that underdog, you know. Real and Barça try to join the Super League. They always win, you know. Oh, I guess Atletico try to join the oh, Super League yeah. too. So, you know, that, that's, that's all root for Sevilla. Let the little guys win every once in a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think we uh, we should mention that Zach Steffen played in the uh, EFL Cup final for, for Manchester City versus Tottenham. They got a 1-0 win. He wasn't asked to do very much. I think Tottenham had uh, .05 XG expected goals, which basically means they were – not good on offense. Um, he was asked to make one save, and that one save was actually really good. Lacelso sending a ball from like 25 yards out, curling ball, and he made a really good diving save on that. The more I, I watched that replay, the more I was really impressed on his his ability to get to that ball because it looked a little nonchalant and looked a little far out, but it was a it was a well placed ball, well driven ball, and some keepers let that go by them, and then Spurs are up one nil. And maybe Man City don't get that late goal, and since you're the goalie, you get all the blame. But he made one good save and was kind of a non-factor, which I'm sure Pep was was happy about.
0: Yeah, if you don't have to do too much, then you know that's a good um, job in your book. And end up with his very first trophy, um, and really cementing himself as you know the the um, as a backup um for such a um good club such a club with a club like a Manchester city you know who have you know their number one in everything um i don't think he is up to that level of you know like potentially replacing him um but his appearances in the cups in the cup um competitions have been um have been promising be very promising and hopefully, you know, um, another club might take notice and might get more starring action um, in, the, in the future because, you know, he is our number one, um, for better or for worse.
1: Yeah, I think he definitely deserved this trophy too, um, mostly because he's played all the, the cup games. Uh, Pep kind of let him play, I think, all the FA Cup games and all the Carabao Cup games. So it was, it was his tournament to lose, and he, he didn't lose it. Um, I, I kind of would like for him to stay at Man City for, for maybe another year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I know you want your players to play. You want them to start, but just practicing under Pep Guardiola day in, day out, getting that experience playing against those players, that level is one of the best levels in the world. So even if he's not the, the starting goalkeeper, uh, most days, I think it's, it's good for his mentality. It's good for his practice to, to get those reps because goalies are a little bit different than outfield players. They don't need to, to play all the time. I mean, I know nothing replicates game experience, but I don't, I don't hate seeing him behind uh, Ederson for another season. If it happened for another two, three seasons, maybe then you start asking questions like you got to be a little more ambitious. You want to got to want to play every week. But right now I think he's in a good spot um he he plays occasionally he you know he's not stuck on the bench the whole season so i think i could see him doing this for another season
0: and then um we have mark mckenzie winning with um with Genk, uh, in the belgian cup final um and having a starting role in that as well
1: yeah good good to see mckenzie get some get some pt out in uh, belgium i know his transition's been a little rough. Um, I wouldn't even call it super rough. He just has been adapting to a new league, and that's what happens with young players sometimes. They don't always go there and, and start every game like Brendan Aronson. Um, sometimes you got to go through trials and tribulations. you got to work your way up. Um, McKenzie's still young. He's still only 21, and he's a center back, so that transition is definitely a little more difficult than attacking players, I feel like. I feel like to be a, a good defender takes a little bit, little bit of time. Um, but I still, I still have lots of hope for McKenzie. Maybe not so much hope for, for this cycle. I don't know if he'll be able to break in and be a starter by World Cup qualifiers in September. But I think for the long term, he, he'll find himself at uh, a big five-league club, maybe playing Europa League. And I think that'll be where his level's at.
0: And then uh, we got Darryl DK News. Um, he has had his contract extended um, with Barnsley until the end of the, um, to the championship playoffs. So definitely promising he's not going to come back to MLS. He's not going to come back to Orlando City um, until then, but we will see um, how this uh, that cycle, um, how that turns out. There's still plenty of football to be played. Um, Barnsley are currently at top uh, still in the Champions League playoffs um as of now um we're, uh, very very comfortable uh in fact so um don't see um only about like eight points on top um so i feel comfortable saying you know we will be seeing their d k in the chem- in the championship playoffs
1: yeah i think they actually clinched last weekend i think they're I think there's forty-six games in the in the championship season. And I think they, they clinched this past weekend. Um, I thought this story was complete nonsense. Like why would Orlando City call him back before his two potentially three biggest games? Like that would just be the dumbest move ever. Like it's not good for the player, first of all. It's not good for his lone team. Like he's been their star, brought them from like fourteenth in the table to sixth. Um, and three, it's not really like beneficial to you. It's not like they really need Daryl DK right now. They have a couple of strikers on their team, not as good as Daryl DK, but they got some players who can play in those positions and like, you want to bring him back for a regular season game against like DC United. Like I think him playing in the championship playoffs with the potential to go to the premier league is a much bigger, uh, platform than playing any game in MLS if you, if they're talking about selling him for 15, 20, 25 million, whatever the sum of money will end up being like, why would you bring him back? Let him, let him be over there. Let him play. And maybe he gets Barnsley to a a final in the playoff. Maybe he gets them to the premier league. Mm -hmm. And if you would call him back, you would take that away for, for regular season MLS games. That would be, if I was an Orlando city fan, I
0: would have rioted. I didn't know like that was actual conversation. Like, that's just not you know, that's just not smart business. And I would give MLS, you know, at least they have some competent you know um, ownership, which or like you know leadership. As so much as I can say, you know, for certain teams, um, yeah, you gotta let him play because you know he can only increase your value. Because at some point, do you really envision Daryl Dike coming back to Orlando City at this point? Very unlikely. I feel like some team will throw
1: at least like 13, 15 million at them. And then for an MLS team, that's crazy money. You're not going to turn that down. Like a year ago, he was playing college soccer. So it's not like they spent a ton of money. a ton of resources on him. You're going to take the, the 15
0: million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, good on him. And then um, to end it off with something a little bit fun. So Daniel is going to tell me, his top five um, American players of all time. Um, Since we were just reaching, you know, since we were just talking a little bit about, you know, American milestones and um, American uh, players just making history, uh, we want to see, you know, we want to talk about who's, who has already made history, who has already cemented their place in American soccer. And uh, so Daniel will tell me his top five, and I will see if you know, they are, he is accurate, or he is dead You're wrong. So,
1: oh, this is this is the perfect list right here. This is the the Bible, the Ten Commandments. This is this is the best list ever made. Um, yeah, this kind of just spurred up because Christian uh, Pulisic performing in the Champions League. We've never really had one player at that level before, so it's just kind of interesting to see. Um, at number five, I got Demarcus Beasley. Um, he played in four World Cups for the U.S. Um, He played at PSV Eindhoven. He was the other American to play in a Champions League semifinal. Most people don't know that just because early in his career, he was playing at PSV. I think it was like 2005, 2006, one of those seasons. And he was just an all around good player. Um, He reinvented himself later in his career, early in his career. He was more of an attacking winger, like a left mid, but then he transformed into a left back, played there under Jürgen Klinsmann. And all around was just a, a solid pro for, for 15 years, had a, had a decent European career, came back to MLS, played well there. And, and yeah, so bees is number five on my list. I should say that this list is kind of just a combo of uh, club career and accomplishments with the USMNT. So those are kind of like both weighted the same. There was no like formula I did. I just kind of picked my, my five favorite, five, five best players. At number four, we got Timmy Howard. Um, goalkeeping legend had that great game against Belgium in the World Cup. Uh, played only two World Cups for us, but he was probably our best player for definitely our most well known player. Playing all those years at Everton, uh, broke in at Manchester United, and was just another lineage in the, in the line of good American goalkeepers. We've had a few of those, those have mostly been our good players because. You don't really need super technical skills to be a good goalie. Um, I'm not trying to demean goalies, but you don't need to be like super great with your feet. You don't need to be super quick. You just need to have a certain set of skills, and more Americans seem to have those skills. Um, this one might be a little controversial here, but at number three, I got Landon Donovan. Um, I think most people know who, who Landon Donovan. He was kind of the, the face of MLS for, for a decade. Um, he has the ML- MVP, MLS MVP trophy named after him. Definitely scored probably the biggest World Cup goal in recent memory against Algeria, scoring that 91st, 92nd-minute winner. It was just an all-around good player. He produced in CONCACAF, produced in MLS. Um, wasn't the flashiest. I would have liked to seen him play more in Europe. He had that one short loan spell at Everton, played pretty well, but maybe that was just a mirage. Never know. Number two, I got Christian Pulisic. I know he's still only 21, 22 years old, but what he's done in his young career so far has not happened. He's already our uh, leading scorer in Champions League, our most played player in Champions League. In his one World Cup qualifying cycle so far, he, he produced. He was our best player at 18 years old and almost brought us to a World Cup. wasn't able to, and his career is just getting started. So I, I think if he had... Done a little bit more with the U.S. If he maybe made a World Cup and scored a World Cup goal, I would have put him number one. But as of right now, how things stand, i put him at number two. Um, I'll give an honorable mention to Eddie Pope. He was a, a great center back in the, the 90s and early 2000s. Played at three World Cups. Was uh, the initial MLS uh, champion. He played on that first D.C. United team. Scored the winning goal in the final, actually, in, the, in extra time. So Eddie Pope legend, if you don't know who Eddie Pope is, he's a, he's a great guy, great player. All right. And the moment everyone's been waiting for number one, I think you can kind of process of elimination. If you know anything about us men's soccer, Clint Dempsey, he's uh he's the number one best player of all time, just because of how much he produced in Europe scoring uh, double digit goals at Fulham for multiple years, had one season at Tottenham. Came back to the MLS, produced an MLS, and he scored at three different World Cups for us. I don't think we've ever had a player do that. Um, he maybe not the the prettiest of goals, wasn't the prettiest of players, but definitely that rugged American style. And he was really the first great player before Americans knew what great players were. So so that's my list. What do you think, Della?
0: I like it. I like it. I would change up the order a little bit. I think it's too soon for Pulisic to be top two of all time. Um, I will put him as like top five, um, and then I um, I would s- move up Donovan to top two, um, just because of just like the two, just like the great moments that like his moment against Algeria had is. I feel like that's been a defined experience for, you know, U.S. men's soccer at this point. That's the high point. Um, I will also have Howard as third. Um, again, like his moment against Belgium, you know, I feel like that was another turning point as well and just having a really stellar career with um, – now thinking about it, I might have Howard second. I might have Howard second. We'll, we'll see. Um but right now I want to keep him third because right now I'm thinking about late, um, end the career, Howard, and that was, that was not fun. Um, and then I really appreciate you giving a shout out to Be- Beasley. I'll also do like an honorable mention to Brian McBride, um, and his goals against, um, his goals against Portugal and Mexico and tickets us and taking us to the highest level we've been in, in like 70 years. Um, and um, don't want to, and want to just highlight some of the old old heads. Um, so and of course, I feel like Demsey has been our greatest player ever. Um, so yeah, I'll go Demsey, Donovan, Howard, Beasley, and Pulisic. I think I just put Pulisic ahead of Donovan
1: because I kind of kind of dislike Donovan. I don't know. I think he's kind of a square. Just he does have some great moments with the U S and I think if I was actually making this list right now, I'd probably have him second just because of the, the weight of what he's done, the, the, the amount of what he was accomplished, especially with the USMNT. But I think I just put Pulisic above cause pound for pound. Like, I think he's a better player. I think he's a better dribbler, better passer, quicker, faster, better presser, better on defense. I think he's just an all around better player. And yeah, I think uh, he'll end up as the greatest American player ever, except if one of his current teammates can pass it. Maybe McKinney. Weston McKinney breaks into this list. Maybe maybe John Brooks, great defender. Chris Richards, who knows? We got a bunch of young guys just starting out their careers. Gio Reyna. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of pundits out there who have tipped him to be our first player at Real Madrid. You know, I don't want to say that, but I'm just saying in like seven years. If he's at Real Madrid, I said it on this podcast. So I predicted the future. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, that's my list. I also want to just give a shout out to Michael Bradley and Kobe Jones as well, two solid midfielders um, and also staples in the game as well. And um, really interesting, like, you know, talking about the future, talking about the present. We always have to go back to the past because, you know, that's where all the roots came. You know, that's how interest got got drawn in the first place. You know, when, um, you know, when we were last place in the 1998 World Cup, or you know, like those moments when um, we hosted the World Cup in 1994, and um, you know, making the quarter finals and then you know, not making out the group stage in '26. You know there are a whole lot of players who are then in them between you know um, gold cup and any type of competition and like you know just like big friendly moments. Um and so this was just one to um go over and um you know anything is so subjective. Um so you know whoever who's listening who is a big US fan, um like even um like in general, you know, we want take general, like, we can definitely add, like, you know, players like Amy Womack or Colleen Lloyd or, like, you know, Alex Morgan in this list as well because their resumes have, you know, can easily succeed some of these guys right here. But um, I wanted to know whoever is listening um, who you think is your top five. And um, when we post it, um, make sure to just uh, – Reply under our feeds, um, soccer, not football on Instagram or Twitter. And yeah, let's start a conversation. Going back to Michael Bradley, just for a second. I was literally
1: thinking about this last night because I've kind of thought Michael Bradley's been a bum, just especially the last few years of his career, coming back to MLS, not qualifying for the World Cup. But if you look at his USMNT moments, he scored a brace against Mexico in a World Cup qualifying game in a De Cicero game. He scored an equalizer in a World Cup game against Slovenia, scored a header. And he scored a chip ball at the Azteca in 2018. Scored like a 40-yard, 50-yard chip ball over Memocha. And those are just like three really great moments for Michael Bradley. Um, maybe he didn't have the a long solid career but he his peak moments are are really good so i know he gets a lot of sh- crap from people i know like i give him some crap too i don't really want him on the current team but for what he did for for the u.s for for those few years he definitely deserves more praise than he
0: gets mm-hmm. even josie you know like you know he's been reliable to us and he was you know our number one for for a long while and you know um even with his frustrations, even, you know, even knowing like, you know, he might he might not be his best anymore. And we have like various strikers um, at this point. Um, there's still a lot of moments that he brought for us in the, uh, for the national team. And um, can't, and that can't be forgotten. Uh, All right.
1: Before we let you go, MLS game of the week. Um, this weekend, I, I suggest you check out Philadelphia NYCFC. Um, don't check out NYCFC. They're not very good. That was for you, Nick. But I think Philadelphia are a pretty dang good team. They they just won th- 3 3-0 against Atlanta and CCL. The way they play is just fun, exciting. Um, they try to play counterattacking, pressing soccer, which makes the game a little more frenetic. And I just think they're they're a fun, exciting team. Uh, check them out.
0: All right. Well, thank you as always. Um uh, we will return in a couple of weeks, see who it will make the Champions League final, who will win La Liga, and everything in uh, between. Oh, yeah, there's one more thing I forgot. Uh, Mourinho got fired.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that wasn't even news. That was because that happened the same day the Super League dropped. So everyone's just like, oh, that's cool. Like this big loudmouth manager got fired. We don't care. We're trying to save our sport.
0: Yeah. But just want to give it just one shout out for, you know, uh, Marina and all his uh, outlandishness in uh, Tottenham. And Future
1: U.S. men's coach. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I before, before we say before, if I speak, if I speak, I am in big trouble. I'm in big big trouble. So I'm not going to speak. I'm going to end it right here. So take care, everyone. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the the beginning of May. Where Almost at the end, y'all. Take care.